Oh, it's raining again. What can you do? I guess it's autumn. Autumn showers? Fall showers? What are they called again? Anyway, it is uh, Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm Steven Sersky. And, uh, yeah, you know, if you were, if you had a chance to go see what some people call a propaganda film, would you go see it? So, the movie I went to go see today, uh, which was part of the, actually, I'm not sure if it was part of the national sort of holiday, it was released on September 25th, uh, or 21st, because it premiered at the Beijing International Film Festival just last month of September, uh, which fell on the 71st anniversary of this uh, event. So the event that I'm talking about is the Battle of Lake Changjin. And this is a, a, a new war movie that was just released, and big budget. Three hours long, that, I mean, if you were to see it three hours long, you'd be kind of, I don't want to see a three-hour movie, a three-hour long movie, uh, especially if it's, you know, a propaganda movie. Now, here's the thing. First of all, I was, I mean, someone did say this to me, you know, did you enjoy the propaganda film? And I'm like, you know what, what is propaganda but interpretation by another name? Really, I mean, one pe- one person says this, another person says that, one's propaganda, one's not. Who's to decide, right? But anyway, as a standalone movie, the sort of propaganda label aside, it did have patriotic undertones, and you could see that, especially to, like in the end credits where it sort of calls on the people uh, to remember the names, um, and even though it's showing the 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 crosses, like the field of crosses that mark these uh, these graves, um, and I don't think I'm giving away any ending here. It's no spoiler alert here. The thing about this movie was that it was actually very well done. They did lo- use a lot of CG effects, which you could tell were CG but they didn't detract from the overall storyline. So what I mean by that is, like, unlike a lot of uh, Western war movies like Hollywood, like think of Saving Private Ryan, those movies um, that they use a lot of practical effects. They, don't, they wouldn't put, a, like, a CG tank or a CG airplane in there. Uh, they would actually, you know, recreate that sort of... Uh, not that they would fly actual airplanes around, uh, but they would have dedicated people who would do some of these stunts. So it w- they did use a lot of CG, but it didn't detract from the story. They had a lot, of, a lot of explosions. I mean, the battles went on for a very long time. That being the case, it was not a slow movie. For a three-hour film, it, it was actually very well-paced, and I was very impressed by it. Uh, I mean, just judging by when I checked my watch, I mean, I checked it, I checked it an hour in, so that's one indication, like, the first hour, although there weren't many explosions at that time, at that point, uh, there were, I mean, it was still enough to, still enough dialogue and things like that to keep you sort of entertained, that after that first hour, that's when shit started blowing up, I mean, that was like, you had tanks and planes, and it was kind of um, what do you what do you call it? I'm not sure how Chinese people felt about it because it, again, because given the patriotic undertones, right? 
keeping this in mind, there were times when you're kind of, are you cheering for the the Chinese soldiers or are you cheering for the people in that situation? And you could swap the roles to anyone, anywhere. And this is where I'm saying, like, as a standalone film, it actually holds up. Where, you know, there's these, this situation here, for example, is that some soldiers are pinned down by uh, airplanes flying over, uh, over, over, over them. And these airplanes obviously have this task of eliminating the enemy. So the, the, the Chinese soldiers lie down against these rocks uh, trying to blend in. And they kind of do. And so that's the, the airplanes take one pass. They're not seen. Take two passes. And then th- third pass, they're kind of like, they, well, we have to do something already. That second pass, though, they're shot at. Not because the airplanes saw who was there, but because they were just sort of you know, keeping their guns warm or whatever. So uh, that was one of those situations where you're going, you know, it could be any nation's people in that situation, and I think the tension would still there. So the story writing, the script writing, it was it was well done. It was well-paced. It was well-constructed enough for you to sit there and go, this isn't, you know, you feel for the, the people in that situation. So... The some of the battle scenes did you kind of wonder like what were the this is where sort of was it a propaganda film or is it a war film, and I kind of wonder if they were trying to straddle it, because, in time who knows how history will view this film. I don't think you can see it as a strictly propaganda film. There's enough sort of violence that it would take it away from general viewing. And a propaganda film, you kind of think that it would be, you know, you'd want it almost targeted to the young kids to, you know, ingratiate in their mind, like, you know, follow the fatherland, believe in the fatherland, the motherland. But there was enough, there's enough people getting ripped apart and shredded by bombs and everything else that you're kind of like, this can't be a strictly (laughs) propaganda film. Because if anything, like this... It does show enough of the horrors of war uh, that you kind of wonder, well, I don't know if like this would really encourage a lot of people to join the army. <laughs> I don't know if that, not not sure if that's going to work. They There was the obvious sort of young man and the old man sort of uh, relationship where the, the old man's saying, we have to fight this, the good fight, so our next generation doesn't have to. And then the young man's, you know, also there as well and has that, scowly angry face like i can't believe the enemy would do this to us who are they to do this so with all this being factored in the the battle scenes that were going on they are kind of reminiscent of the ones that you would see in something like saving private ryan but it's not the same sort of violence uh that you'd be like i don't want to ever see that again i can't help but be part of the the, the people, the crowd that says, how about we try not to have this happen again, sort of thing. Like, wars aren't good. I mean, I know governments don't like doing them either because it, it eliminates taxpayers. Uh, I mean, so unless you're going to gain more from the real estate or the commodities that are that the war is being fought on, I mean, it's better to have people on that land rather than blowing them up, right? So, yeah, it's uh, one of those things where, oh, you know. Again, I'll say it, it actually stood alone i think it stands alone as a war movie rather than just a a straight up sort of uh 
voice or um, a promotion of any one sort of ideology. Um, to, I guess I should have given a little bit of background on the on the movie. The movie is based on this battle uh, around the battle. Uh, it was a Lake Chang, Changjin, which is in northeast China, and it takes place during the Korean War. So it's nineteen. This is 1950 that the, the battle takes place, specifically September and October 1950, and then September, sorry, September to December, because the battle stretches out, the war uh, stretches out for that long. And there are a few notable names that pop up throughout. I mean, Mao Zedong is obviously one of them, uh, but uh, General MacArthur, he's there as well. And there's a few other names that I, I'm guessing are historical and, you know, war war enthusiasts or historians would know i didn't recognize any of the names i'm not sure if even the chinese faces that they were portraying were uh, are at all famous but uh they did sort of make it a point of stopping the frame and then writing out who that was and then giving a description of what their involvement in the uh, the battle was so this battle takes place it's it's a lake and it's one of the uh sort of entrances entrances into northern China and the Chinese fear at this point which you don't see uh, portrayed very much in Western interpretations of battles or a lot of them anyway that uh, the, the Chinese people were kind of like or the government was kind of like well if they've crossed over North Korea and they've finished it was the Yalu River that they were concerned about as soon as they crossed over that they're like well now they're into our territory what's to stop them from continuing to march into Chinese territory so that's why they had to send this uh this troop these reinforcements to go reinforce this this area that I mean it was mountainous and uh tough terrain and worst of all, it, since it takes place from September to December, I mean, it's almost like a luxury here in Beijing where it's raining today, but already up in northeast China, it gets pretty cold. And at this time, it, for these, this battle, they weren't just fighting each other. And they, they say this, they we're not just fighting the Americans, we're fighting God, we're fighting Mother Nature as well. So it was uh, one of those things. The last scene is interesting. Uh, I will uh, let you guys see it because it is it is one of those sort of again I don't think it's just about who it is in that situation I think in general whoever would be in that situation the fact that that happened that they they stayed and they fought for that for their their reason um, that sort of says something about the. Uh, the training that they've had, and the the uh, the will that's um, pushing them forward, or not pushing them backwards, I should say. The one good thing I think, uh, if I were to pick up one other good thing about the movie, it'd be like there was no cheesy love storyline. So this is where it's kind of like this is this can be a standalone war movie because it doesn't. There's no cheesy boy falls in love with girl, um, promises to come back. And then boy dies, you know, sort of thing in, in one war. Uh, or girl dies in village bombing, you know, the, the, nothing like that. Now, there is a common theme of this guy wants to go, his, this son wants to go back uh, to his hometown and build a house for his parents. So there's your one sort of very traditional 
ideology in the movie that the son wants to go back and build a home for his mother and his father. That's that's what he wants to do as soon as he's back in the spring. I'll let you see the movie to, to see what happens um, uh, with that. Anyway, so that was what we ended up doing today. Uh, not bad. I'll, I'll count it as my Chinese studies, even though I wasn't really watching the Chinese subtitles. I was too busy following along, like with the action, the, the picture, and then reading the subtitles. It was subtitled in English, which was very good, because if it wasn't subtitled, I'm not sure I would have been able to uh, follow along as well. Um, and yeah, the English, the only thing I would say uh, about the, uh, the sound was that Chinese movies are famous for being overdubbed, uh, so they they don't use the on-set audio a lot of times. They go into the studio later and they re-record it, uh, and I don't know why this is. For the Chinese-speaking voices, they seem to be on-set sound. But the foreign, the Western voices, they seem to be overdubbed. And I'm not sure if it was like... They, they did this on purpose uh, to add that sort of disjointedness to the character, uh, to that separation of the, you know, you know the, the people and the voice sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, it, it just seemed to me that they, the, the soundtrack for the foreign voices was off compared to what it was for the Chinese voices. I mean, I, I can't say anything bad about this because, again, Chinese movies are famous for this. And how often does this happen where um, voices are over, overdubbed? in another language so yeah anyway three hours i'm not going to say it was a waste of time uh i learned something uh how accurate the movie was i'm not sure would a, a yeah i don't know would a u.s airplane fly through its own tower on the way out of its camp like sort of clip the wings wouldn't they see it wouldn't the airstrip be far enough away not sure some things, I don't know, I, I'm guessing it was more historically accurate than most movies, but yeah, I'm not sure of the sort of research that was done behind it, but again, big budget, $200 million spent on it, uh, so they're, they're obviously looking to uh, make it look good enough and look good for an international release. Now, would it fly in the West? Tough to say. <laughs> Tough to say whether or not it would receive a widespread screening. Uh, but if you get a chance, Battle of Lake Changjin, uh, Changjin, uh, that uh, it's, I think it, it's worth it. Is it too long? No, I actually think it's very well paced. It, it wasn't until about the two and a half hour mark that I was kind of like, is this over yet? And then within 20 minutes, it was basically over. All right, guys, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you guys do get a chance. I hope this gave you a little bit of a insight into uh, the movie. Uh, and probably went on longer than you'd probably decide in watching the movie. Hope you guys have a good one. Have a good Tuesday. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.